John chapter number 5. I want to read for you just a few short verses, starting in verse number 30. John chapter 5, verse number 30. The Bible says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me. Notice this, that the Father hath sent me. And the Father Himself which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard His voice at any time, nor seen His shape. And ye have not, uh, and ye have not His word abiding in you, for whom He hath sent, Him ye believe not. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me, that ye might have life. I want to speak to you tonight on this thought, the greatest missionary journey of all time. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll ask the Lord's blessing on the sermon. Lord, I pray that you bless now as I stand to preach. Lord, I believe you've given me a message. Lord, I pray that you, uh, I, I believe you've given me a, a burden and a desire to preach. Lord, I pray that you would now take that burden and that desire and Lord, the word of God and the truth of it and speak to hearts. Lord, tonight I pray that the Word of God would be clearly recited to those in the auditorium. I ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Now, every missionary you get around, it seems like they all have their own types of tremendous stories. If you want some funny stories, you go hang around Randy Ashcraft and Ryan Ashcraft for just a little bit. Missionaries have great stories. Some of them are funny. Oh yeah, missionaries have funny stories. Uh, a lot of funny stories are collected during deputation. Uh, missionaries have great stories when it comes to the places that they go eat. Uh, I have a friend that happened to go to an Asian country, and it seems like he always said every pastor wanted him to take, uh, take him to eat at Asian restaurants, as if he wasn't going to have enough Asian food for the rest of his life. They wanted to get him accustomed to the Asian food. So they have great stories. They have no doubt funny stories. But when they return from the field, they even have great spiritual victory stories. Stories of, of people who get to know Christ and, and come to Him as a saving knowledge, and, and then their whole life is radically changed. And I enjoy spending time with missionaries because many of the stories they share with us. I remember one specifically, now I didn't know this missionary personally, but he came and he spoke in a college chapel when I was at West Coast Baptist College. This missionary was a goofy guy. He was very skinny, very thin, uh, had his hair fixed up real nice, had a real strong comb over, like a Donald Trump comb over almost. Uh, he was a funny guy though, man. So as soon as he began to speak, you were, you were just z uh, zoned in on every word he had to say. He was funny because 
He didn't mind uh, kind of breaking down the, the barriers. You know, a lot of missionaries go to a college chapel and they want to impress everybody. And I just liked it that this guy seemed real when he was speaking. This man was going to Vanuatu. And that's pretty remarkable uh, because some of the stories he began to share with us about how uh, native the people are and unaccustomed to outside influence, uh, influences they are. This man told us, and this is what caught my attention right off the get-go, he said, I have contracted malaria over 30 times in my ministry. Now, malaria is something serious. You don't play around with that. And this guy had it 30 times. So I'm like, well, if you're serious enough to get malaria that many times, I'll listen to you. He began to share this story, and it has to be one of the most incredible missionary stories I've ever heard. You know, every missionary has great stories, but this guy, he told a story of them entering into a village one day, and as you go to this island, you essentially need some type of guide to help you find all of these villages. He went to one village, and they shut him down cold. They didn't want anything to do with his message. So he just kind of moved on. His guide took him to another village and they kept climbing higher and higher in altitude to find more and more villages that have never been reached. One day they stopped just to take a break and he had laid his backpack down on the edge of a cliff and they were just all kind of waiting there. And accidentally, a bag of rice had gotten knocked over the cliff's edge. Well, that was their food for the, for the trip up there, so they had to go without food for quite a while. They finally arrive at the village. Once again, the gospel wasn't really being received hardly at all. They make their way down the mountain, and they decide to stop back in at the uh, village they had earlier spoken to and uh, gotten rejected when they went. They come in, and it see the, 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 the tribe leader there opens his arms and accepts them in. And he's like, we want to hear what you have to say. And this is very strange because it was not just a few days ago they got ran out of the, t the, the village there. Well, they were wondering what happened and, and the gospel was really received well. A whole village came to know Christ, kind of like a, a Bible story almost in modern day times. This amazing story. They then asked the chief of the tribe, what was it that changed your mind as, uh, when it came to hearing the message we had to say? He said, well, one day I, I was just having a bad day. I went and I began to pray uh, at, at the bottom of a cliff. And I said, Lord, if there is a God, I pray that you would show me right now. And at that moment, a bag of rice fell from the cliff and nearly hit me in the head. He said, the next person that I saw that could tell me anything about a God, I would willingly hear them. And it just so happened because of that one little incident there, God opened the hearts of all those village people and they got to see that whole village come to know Christ. And that was an amazing story. And to this day, I would probably say that's one of the greatest missionary stories I've ever heard. But as I began to search the Bible, I found one that's even better than that. I found the greatest story, mission story, in all the Bible. You see, last week we learned that a missionary is just someone sent to propagate religion. Four different times in our passage tonight, starting in verse number 30, moving on to verse number 36, verse number 37, and verse number 38, Jesus says, I am sent from the Father. 
So if a, a missionary is one sent to propagate religion, and Jesus says, I was sent to tell you some very good news, what does that make Jesus? Well, it makes him a missionary. But I want to take time tonight to share with you what makes Jesus the greatest missionary story of all time. First of all, I want to share with you, Jesus traveled the farthest distance ever traveled. Now, there are some amazing feats. It's an amazing thing that our missionary to China tonight uh, is going to be able to fly across an ocean in an airplane. Do you know how long that flight's going to take you? Fifteen hours just to China. I know of missionaries that the flight takes them over 30 hours to get to where they are. Could you imagine being able to travel that distance? Well, you know we haven't always had airplanes, and yet missionaries have traveled tremendous uh, uh, amounts of distances all throughout the course of time. Uh, John the Baptist spoke of Jesus, and he said, He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. So we know where Jesus came from, right? Well, he was sent from the Father from heaven. He traveled a long way. I was doing some research for this sermon. I began to study some of the lives of great missionaries throughout the course of time, and I came across the story of Adoniram Judson. He was an American missionary who one day was reading a book on missions in the East, and he became convicted for the people of Burma. There's kind of a tremendous story around this because America was so young, especially in its uh, religious outreach, that there had not yet been an American missionary society yet founded. And so he had no one to go to 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 raise support or no one to go to to get uh, 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 support to go. And so he had to actually go to London to their missionary society to get support. And so one day, Adoniram Judson leaves America to go to London, and on the way, a a, a French privateer hijacks his vessel and puts him in a French prison. Now, this is not a great way to start ministry, if you know what I mean. mean, he's, He's in God's will, right? He's on his way to do great things. He's going, and he gets put in prison just because he's on... Watch that. Just because he's on his way uh, to, uh, uh, to London, he gets put in a French prison. Now, he actually has to escape from the French prison, return back to America, and he begins to think, well, I'll just try raising support here now. And so he does. He goes around and he raises support, and then finally he sets sail for Burma. Now, he sets sail with his wife, and with another couple, and there's a tremendous uh, kind of sub-story here, but on his way to Burma, he begins to translate the Bible from Greek to English. And he's writing it out, and on the trip to his mission field, you know what the Lord shows him? That uh, baptism by immersion is the biblical way for baptism. And so as soon as he hits Burma, his partner baptizes him, and I assume he baptizes his partner. But the truth is that they had not yet been scripturally baptized, and so he became a Baptist right there on the mission field. That trip took him a tremendous amount of time. He left February 19th, 
1812, and he arrived in Burma on July 13, 1813. Uh, Nearly a year and six months later, he finally gets to the mission field where he was called. That's a long journey. I was also uh, reading about David Livingston, and, and David Livingston was a unique missionary because he was one of the very first missionaries to set out to evangelize the dark continent of Africa. Although he took a very unique route in the fact that he not only wanted to go spread the gospel, he wanted to map out the entire continent of Africa to make journeys easier for the following missionaries. Tonight I've put up for you on the screen uh, an example of the travels of David Livingston. Now you see there the Horn of Africa, and you can see how he went north, east, south, west. He went all over Africa. The next picture is actually the map that David Livingston created while he was traveling. You're looking at where the uh, uh, Africa kind of pinches down there, and that's all of that's his own map. It was finished, I believe, in 1879, something like that. He mapped out the entire continent of Africa by himself. Could you imagine the travel that was required to go all the way from coast to coast, nearly east to west, and then start out south and almost go to the entire north of Africa? Man, that's a lot of travel. But these two missionaries, no matter how impressive their travel is, they hold nothing to the travel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus had to go farther than anybody's ever gone. He went from a throne in glory to a manger in Bethlehem. He went from being the potentate to the little baby reliant on His mother. Jesus went from uh, all who loved Him and all who worshipped Him to come to a world who would eventually despise Him and hang Him on a cruel cross. And Jesus went all that way can I ask you tonight, why did He do that? Truly, He did not do that for Africa. He did not do that for China. He did not do that for all the sinners in the world. Let's, let's narrow it down. He did it for you. And for the person in China, He did do it for them. But my dad taught me a long time ago, if you had been the only sinner in all the world, Jesus would have died just for you. Why did He do that? Why did He come all that way? Because Jesus loved you. Let me ask you, how far will you go to see someone saved? I mean, if Jesus came from glory, it's amazing we won't go across the street. If Jesus did all that He did for us, it's amazing that we can't just drive a few miles to share the gospel with someone that we know. These men have given their lives to go to Argentina and to China in our place, but with our support. And yet we have such little faith, we won't even tell our friends or our relatives about Jesus. How far will you go? It's such a shame how limited our faith is in this matter of evangelizing a lost world. Did you know that the Muslim who is strapping a bomb to his chest at this moment is no more lost than your good neighbor who doesn't know Jesus? And did you know that it will take no more blood to save that Muslim than it will your neighbor? But so often we think that, well, we're in America, surely everybody's heard. Surely, I mean, we're kind of still in the Bible Belt. You know, we're in the Bible Belt and Tornado Alley, and we use those, uh, if a tornado came through right now, are you sure you'd go to heaven? You know, 
We're, we're here, man, and we say, oh, surely everybody knows there's a church on every corner. Most of those churches aren't preaching a true gospel, by the way. But, oh, surely their mom or dad took them to church. Surely a bus came by when they were a kid. Most people will die and go to hell, not because they knew, because they didn't, did not know is why they'll go to hell. And Jesus came all the way from heaven and traveled the farthest distance any missionaries ever traveled. Not only did Jesus travel the farthest distance ever traveled, He took the largest emotion that anyone's ever taken. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Jesus to go from being worshipped to being a baby in a manger? I mean, I find it comical that while Jesus was on this earth, people argued with Him. Let's remind ourselves who Jesus is. Jesus created the worlds, all that you see and everything that is therein. The word of Jesus' power upholds all there is. And so Jesus is the creator. He's the sustainer. He is wise. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. Jesus is God in the flesh. And one day Jesus is teaching a parable. And He's saying, a sower went forth to sow. Or he's, he's teaching one of his parables. And here's a Pharisee in the back corner of the room. And when Jesus gets done teaching, you know what that Pharisee does? Well, good teacher, what about this? Well, good teacher, what do you think about this? Is it lawful for your disciples to eat on the Sabbath day? Good teacher, why does John's disciples uh, uh, fast and pray and your, your disciples don't do that? Jesus, why? Jesus, why? Jesus, why? And man questioned God. To put it on a very small scale, this would be like you taking your daughter or your son to work. Now, if your son or your daughter is older, let's put them at about six years of age, okay? Just what old enough to know the English language good, and, and they kind of know a little bit about life, you know, that Teletubbies and, and Barney and Power Rangers have taught them everything they need to know. Probably not Teletubbies, we won't watch that one. But, you know, Bob the Builder and Dora the Explorer, they probably speak Spanish fluently now because they're going to uh, Vamanos, they're following Dora. And you take your daughter or your son to work. And you clock in and you go to your desk and you begin to do what you do. Whether you uh, build PowerPoint presentations to go present to your boss, whether you deal with numbers and, and try getting a bid together, whether you go to houses and, and you try bidding on houses, whatever you do, here's your daughter or your son at your side. And you're doing your daily uh, 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 tasks. And you're good at your job. You've, you're experienced at your job. And you go to make a decision. And there your son or daughter is. And she says, Daddy, I don't think you're right. No, no. Hold on. This is my career. Okay, this is what I do for a living. I get paid by someone else because I'm good enough at my job to do what I do. Thank you, eight-year-old. But I'm just going to continue going and there your eight-year-old is and says, no, Daddy, I think you're wrong. You say, no, I bid jobs all the time. I'm not wrong. No, Daddy, I think you're wrong. I build houses all the time. I know what code is. No, Daddy, I think you're wrong. 
I do this all the time. I do that all the time. And there your daughter or your son is. Daddy, I just don't think you're right. How happy would you be with your child at that moment? Especially in the presence of your employer and your boss is thinking, man, you got a smart-mouthed little brat there beside you. And then they cancel daddy-daughter day altogether because your child was the problem kid. That's a, 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 the best analogy I could come up with because man was questioning God. Jesus did not come to this world and uh, uh, experience a tremendous amount of success. The whole time he was here, he faced pain, he faced suffering, people were persecuting him, they were running him out of town, they were questioning him, people were trying to catch him, telling lies and, and uh, performing the works that he was doing. And they even went so far to say, he's doing this in the name of Lucifer. This is the devil's handiwork. And Jesus says, how is the devil going to throw cast out a devil? That don't make no sense. He says, if a strong man be bound, uh, he's like, I, that doesn't even make sense what you're saying right now. And the entire ministry of Jesus, he faced people calling him out and questioning him. And that's what Jesus came to. He went from the Prince of Glory to being the servant of all. The Bible says, For even the Son of Man came not to uh, be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, and yet, I heard this one time, and I believe it with all my heart, if Jesus Christ had come to be king of the world, he'd have come and been the most humble man alive. Jesus came from uh, uh, exaltation and adoration to people questioning him. Why did he do that? Well, he did it for you. That's why it makes it the greatest missionary story of all time is someone who had everything uh, sacrificed it all so that you could have something. I was reading about William Borden who was heir to uh, the Borden Dairy uh, uh, Empire. At the time when he was born uh, and graduated high school in the early 1900s, the empire was worth millions of dollars. Today, those dairy farms are worth about $2 billion. After William Borden's graduation, his father and his mother purchased him a trip around the world just as a, a graduation present from high school. He began to travel and see the world, but instead of taking in all the sights like someone, uh, a, 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 a secular person would, he began to see the hurting people of the world and became burdened for them. It was on this trip that William Borden wrote a letter back to his family and said, I believe I want to become a missionary. Obviously, his friends said, you're going to waste your life if you do that. William Borden came back. He uh, went to Yale and graduated. He then went on to Princeton Theological, and he graduated from there. And after that, he became burdened for the Muslims in the East. He went to Egypt to begin to study the, the language, the Arabic there, and learn a little bit so he could begin to minister. And it was there he died after contracting a disease. Now everyone looks at that and says, what a waste! If he would have just stayed in America, if he would have just stayed close to home, he would have had all the medical care, he probably wouldn't even contracted this in the first place. What a waste! And yet as his parents looked in his Bible they found three words, uh, uh, three phrases written down, and they were this. No reserve, 
no retreat, and no regrets. William Borden understood that being a millionaire heiress was nothing compared to serving God and telling somebody about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It was Jim Elliott who said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I believe that with all my heart. You ask yourself, why did Jesus come to this earth? Jesus came because you had nothing if He had not come. He loved you and He saw past your failures and He saw past your faults and He saw past all the times that you would do Him wrong and yet He loved you through it all and He was willing to go from the One who deserved all the praise to the One who came and accepted none. Boy, what a great missionary story. He went from being the largest, the highest and the greatest to being the meekest and the mildest here on this earth. Not only did Jesus uh, uh, come to this earth and travel the farthest distance ever traveled, not only did He take the largest emotion ever endured, finally, He had the hardest defiance ever received. Jesus dealt with more criticism, more more, uh, controversy than any missionary of all time. It's amazing to me how uh, uh, we expect our missionaries to go to these countries and they just, uh, I don't know what we expect, but we get back letters and, and they pray and they're trying to serve, but they're not being able to tell us about a ton of salvations. They're just working and praying and trying to serve, but it seems like nothing is really working out for them. Recently, we were able to hear the testimony of Brother Ryan Ashcraft as he came and he shared with us, For the first six months that he was in Guatemala, not a single person came to church. Could you imagine being that missionary? uh, Sitting there on the field, you prepare a sermon every week, and you're trying to love these people and share the gospel with people, and yet nobody comes. For all the work and all the effort, no results are being shown. Did you know that's not all that uncommon? In fact, Adoniram Judson in 1788 it took him 12 years to see his first 18 converts. I'm talking about these are the big guys. These are the, the guys who, who we, we look back on and say, what a good missionary, Hudson Taylor. It took him 10 years to grow his church to 21 members. And yet none of these men faced difficulty like Jesus faced. Isaiah chapter 53 told us what Jesus' ministry would be like. It forecasted it and it said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Here's the problem is Jesus came into the world and yet His own received Him not. The Jews who were looking for the Messiah rejected the Messiah they had been looking for. He came and He was rejected. The Bible says in John chapter 3, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and yet men love their uh, their deeds uh, more than they love light because their deeds were uh, wicked even until the end of the world. The Bible says that when Jesus came to this earth, that the earth would reject Him and they would say, we don't want what you have and we we don't want to listen to your message. Jesus traveled the farthest distance ever traveled. He faced the largest emotion ever taken, and He fought the hardest defiance that any missionary has ever taken. Why? 
Why did he do it? A lot of times after a basketball game or a football game where an athlete is victorious, especially when they're winning some type of uh, uh, event, maybe it's a Super Bowl or maybe it's a national championship or something like that, the reporter will come to that person, the star of the team, and they'll ask them questions like, what are you thinking right now? What, what are you doing? I mean, what's going on in your mind? And they'll say, well, we just played a great game. This was a tremendous uh, a team effort. We did a, a great job. And man, we we're just lucky to come out on top. And I wonder if we were able to stick the microphone into the athlete's face at the moment right after they win the big game. And we say, all the blood, all the sweat, all the tears, all the effort, all the labor, was it worth it? What do you think they would say? No. I really thought it would be a better payout, to be honest with you. I thought that I would be more excited. I, I thought that my team would do a little better. But no, it's really not as good as what I was expecting. No, if we thrust that microphone into that athlete's face and we said, was it worth it? All the work and all the effort and all the labor, you know what they'd say? Absolutely. It was worth every minute, every, every time I had to wake up early, every time I had to eat something I didn't want to eat, every time I had to inject something I didn't want to... No, probably not that one. Probably not that one. Every time I worked, every time I labored, I would sweat. I was at the gym longer than anybody else. I ran faster, harder, longer than everybody else. I worked, and yes, you bet your bottom dollar, every second was worth it. Now tonight, if we could stick a microphone in the face of our Lord Jesus and say, Jesus, was the distance you traveled worth it? Was the pain that you endured worth it? Was the controversy and the, and the struggle and all the fights and everything you faced on this earth, was it worth it? You know what he'd say? Oh yeah, it was. It was worth it if you'd been the only sinner. It was worth it if there's only one more sinner ever saved. Every second Jesus would say, yes, it was worth it. My friend, when someone's saved in heaven, the angels begin to rejoice. There's a party breaks out. Everybody's happy for just one more soul to come to Jesus. You know what makes this story so great? Is because Jesus would say every bit of it was worth it for you. So, I would say then that every bit of effort you could put in, every dollar you could give, every time you had to give up your day, every time you had to deal with a little of embarrassment to pass out a tract, every time you had to face somebody and say, hey, do you go to church anywhere? I'd like you to come with me. Every single time you want to know what I could ask the man who's walking his friend down the aisle and gets to kneel beside his friend and say, and lead him to the Lord. And, and then right here when they're filling out the cards and stuff, if I could at that very moment come down from my, my platform here and I put a microphone in his face and I say, friend, was it worth it? Was it worth it to ask your friend? Was it worth it to bring your relative? Was it worth it to share the gospel with somebody? Was it worth it? You know what that person would say? Every second was worth it. Every little bit of shame I had to deal with, every little bit of struggle I had to deal with, you bet it was worth it. 
What makes this the greatest missionary story in all the Bible is although there was a tremendous amount of great things that took place, all of them difficult things, all of them hard things, every bit of it was worth it. And so as we leave tonight, you rest assured that whatever you do this week to see someone come to this message will be worth it. It'll be worth it if this man never sees his family again. It'll be worth it if this man goes and just sees one more soul and starts a church and we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to see just one soul in Argentina and come to Jesus. It'll be worth it. But we're not, we're not working like that. We're not working like Jesus worked. We're not struggling like Jesus struggled. I mean, some of us are so comfortable, we wouldn't dare give up just one day of the week to tell somebody. And so that's the reason you don't have any good stories. You have no good stories because you're not struggling. You have no stories of knocking on a door and seeing somebody excited. Yeah, we just moved into town. Yeah, we're looking for a church. You mean to tell me you came to me? I was looking for you. You came to me. You have no stories like that. You have no stories of being able to share the gospel with your closest friends. Because we're not struggling. And so, counter opposite of Jesus' amazing uh, missionary story, what is your missionary story like? Would you be willing to go across the street? Would you be willing to tell your friend, your loved one, your, your relative, would you be willing to sacrifice a little just for an amazing story to tell somebody, hey, Jesus loves you and gave his life for you on Calvary. Friend, it's worth it. But I'm afraid we are so scared of what might come down the pike. The little struggle, the little conflict, the little inconvenience. And we just kind of free roll. We just kind of get complacent. We say, yeah, I'm sure we live in America. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. No, if you might, you might be the only Bible somebody ever hears. You might be the only testimony anybody ever receives. But rest assured, any work you do here on this earth, it'll be worth it.